everybody, Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Nationals podcast, talking to Ryan Finkelstein today of the Locked On Mets podcast. Before we get going, um, I, I've been thinking about what I wanted to say, kind of moving into things, and um, just as a, as a white person, 23 years old, I went to the University of Missouri right after the Michael Brown stuff went down, the racial strife, the protests, and those are some heated times. Um, not as heated as, as what we got right now, but just I want to stress the importance that if you're somebody like me and you're not in a position where you um, can understand what this fear is like and you're, you're wondering what you can do, um, you can open your ears and, and you can listen and you can open your eyes and watch and, and try to understand what's happening and t- do the best you can to talk to others. Um, and then collectively, I, I think the best thing we can do is just educate ourselves on what we can do to fight back systemic racism, police brutality, and injustice because there are systems in place that, that protect police in situations where they shouldn't and um, a lot of the public is not privy to those. And so if you feel strongly about this um, and, and you feel like you want to make a change, then um, do your research. You know, listen to podcasts like The Daily and, and go, uh, you know, go donate to the, the Minnesota Defense Fund. Um, do your best to learn about what's happening. But above all else, just in general, we need to be better to one another. We, we just, all of us have to be better to one another. Um, this podcast is an escape, so I'm going to keep this cl- um, really short and, and sweet, but we've just got to be better to one another. The bodies are piling up and it's just horrible to see. And, um, we have to every single one of us and we can be better to one another if we begin to listen. And when somebody looks to their left and they look to the right, they feel like that they, um, are trying or at least know the person they're talking to better. And we can build, at least try to build some trust together in, in some community. Um, that's, that's all I got on that. Ryan and I are going are gonna to talk about, um, you know, during these times, it's just hard to kind of think about doing a podcast, but uh, we're going to do our best to talk about the Mets possibly being sold uh, here today. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later. The Nets have won it. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Nationals podcast, brought to you by Built Bar. Joining me today, my esteemed colleague from also within the National League East, from the Locked On Mets podcast, Brian Finkelstein. Ryan, how are you doing during these uh, uncertain times? Just got on the golf course for the first couple months. Didn't play well, but it was nice to get outside. So, yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, did you hit it better than Tom Brady did last week oh, on the whole? Because Brady had the one nice shot. I was kind of like Brady. <laughs> yeah. A few I good shots. I started off rough, and then I, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was ready to quit after nine, but I played good on the back nine, so I'm glad I stuck it out. Um, all right, so, you know, there is, there is some Nationals news, and I'm, I'm going to get to that later. But for right now, the biggest news in the National League East could be residing with the New York Mets. And it appears that Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez are once again in on purchasing the uh, – in again on por- purchasing – the New York Mets. So um, just your initial reactions um, as A-Rod and J-Lo are, are working with some apparently financiers from J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, your, just your initial thoughts right off the top. Yeah, I would say if you've been watching this franchise closely, I'm not going to get too excited just yet. If you give Fred and Jeff Wilpon time on anything, they can screw it up. And we've seen this fall apart already this you know, the past couple months here. So I think that it's promising that they're certain and they're trying to buy the team again. It seems like both Jennifer Lopez and Alice Rodriguez are going to put a little more money in and they maybe have some uh, better fun. Hold on, man. My dogs are going nuts. (laughs) We love the dog break. It's it's all good. (laughs) Too bad we don't have Petco to spot. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, JP Morgan Chase is getting – I was going to say, J.P. Morgan Chase is getting more involved. And so Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez might actually be able to put together a pretty decent offer. I think one thing to take in mind is that every day that we don't play baseball, the franchise is going to lessen in value, and the Wilpons, who don't have a ton of money, are going to be more pressured to actually sell. So you actually, that's interesting. So you believe coronavirus could not force them to, but it puts them uh, each day, you're saying it gets them closer to a spot where they could be in a better position to sell the team. I think so. I mean, for them, it's not a better position in that they're losing money and they're, right. they're kind of getting squeezed out. But if you look at it, I mean, they had an offer for $2.6 billion for 80% of the team from Steve Cohen, and, and that fell apart. They're not going to get anything close to that now, but it was rumored at the time that the Wilpons' financial situation with the team was what was leading them to sell. And so you have to think that, that that is only getting as they're not playing games and not making any money. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this forces them to sell at a discount. And they're also now talking about including SNY in the deal. Originally they were trying to hold on to the television network. And obviously, you know, with baseball, regional television is where the money's really at. So that makes the franchise way more valuable, way more appealing to actually be sold. Locked on Nationals podcast is brought to you by Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best tasting Best for you sports performance bar in the game today. If you go to their website right now, BuiltBar.com, you will find 16 different flavors of Built Bar. All of them are chocolate, eight with nut, eight without nut. Also, you can find their Built Boost as well. It's like a sports performance drink. I love those. Those are my favorite. A bunch of different flavors. I had a blackberry lemonade, I believe. That was my favorite. It was the bomb. Go to the built bar, go to builtbar.com right now. Use code locked on for ten dollars off your first order. That's builtbar.com code locked on for ten dollars off your first order. Do you think that the fact that SMY is now in the talks is is what's it's kind of according to what you're talking about? The Wilpons being in a bit more of a dire financial situation, not dire, but uh, it's a bit more of a of a compromising one. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, I mean. I don't understand why anyone would buy the franchise without the TV deal anyway. I, I mean, I mean, you're right now, no one's getting a gate anyway, but 
money you're really going to make on ticket sales and concessions. I mean, it's not really worth it unless you get a pretty big portion of SNY. So I think they're going to try to hang on to some of it, but it is an appealing idea because Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod, they're talking about making a whole entertainment you know, district around the stadium and really trying to kind of revolutionize what they have. They want to make it a quote unquote, a Madison square garden of the summer when it comes to concerts. So they have a lot of big ideas. If they can get a deal across, it'll be great. So a, a couple different questions here. I mean, as a Mets fan and, and the ones that you talk to, what do you think the perception that, that would, they would have of having um, Alex Rodriguez be one of the owners, obviously longtime Yankee, because to me, you know, it's been kind of so far removed from his playing career that um, I kind of like where his head is as a businessman. And then you add in the Jennifer Lopez effect. And I mean, she's going to, those two are going to be able to pull big name people. And I, I think it's, um, that's, that's a, a face of your franchise from a front office standpoint, from an ownership standpoint that I think would be attractive. And also as a fan, you just kind of like to see that in general. Yeah, I think one thing is fans are always going to love a big name. I mean, it's just simple. No matter who the name is, it's not like Carlos Beltran was the most popular Mets player, past player, and everyone loved when he first got hired. I think when you look at Alex Rodriguez, he's done an incredible job changing his image from, you know, the suspension to now. And I think he's kind of become this beloved baseball figure, which I don't think anyone would have thought, you know, five, six years ago. But I think Mets fans would be thrilled to see those two big names come into the fold. And also, there's so much disdain for the Wilpons that anybody can come in and they're going to be, you know, heralded as the savior. I mean, no one knew who Steve Cohen was and everyone loved buying the Mets. Now, also, he's really rich, so that's part of it too. But still, I think any change of ownership is going to be welcomed. I think A-Rod and J-Lo will be uh, big, uh, big draws for Mets fans too. And then uh, the aspect of making it kind of an entertainment hub. I mean, let me know, let me know what you think about that because as somebody who's been to my fair share of Nets games and, and been out to the city and, you know, it's, uh, there's a part of me that kind of likes how it's got its own um, area. Obviously the tennis is right nearby too, but a part of me kind of likes the fact that it's, it's not built in to, um, I mean, it, it's not like a, a Fenway in a sense of like, it's not super crowded, right? I mean, it's, it's not like it's, it's hard to access. I kind of like the accessibility of it. And I'm wondering if putting stuff around, I mean, it needs a couple bars. Uh, let's be honest. There's like nothing there. It's just a parking lot. But uh, the idea of building it up completely, are you opposed to it? Do you like it? Or, and what's your sense that uh, of fans, what do they think of that too? I mean, I think, you know, definitely when you're talking about from you know, the perspective of the new ownership, I think the concerts and all that, I mean, that's just more ways you can make money out of the ballpark itself. So I think that stuff makes a lot of sense. I mean, I live in South Florida out there at any concerts when I do get out there, but I'm sure a lot of people will go out to see the concerts. I think when you talk about trying to build up something like they have in, you know, Wrigleyville and what they have around Fenway, I don't know, you know, what it's going to take for all that stuff to be developed, but I do think fans will, you know, turn it. I mean, it gives you something to do before the game because obviously there's a ton of stuff to do in the city, but you basically just hop off the seven train and go to the game. There's not really much to do other than check out the actual game when you go to a Mets game. 
Yeah, I will. It it needs a little bit, and like that's the one thing is that like if you're trying to drink before the game, well, you gotta you gotta maybe slide a couple uh, beverages under the under the seven. If if you want if you want to drink, I mean, I'm not gonna act like I haven't done that before before uh, before Mets game, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And then I mean, finally, our final my final point on this is one to ten. How how likely do you think that this sale um, happens? Man, I, I'd like to say I'm optimistic, but. Like I said at the beginning, anything with the Wilpons, I'm really not. I, I would say that I would say that I'm probably I would say out of ten, I would think maybe five or six that the Mets get sold. Uh, to Alex Rodriguez, Lopez, I'd say the only reason I say that is because I just there's a lot of moving parts, and I think eventually if this team goes to auction, I don't know who swoops in and buys it. I think someone will, but it's not like. These two, uh, you know, they're, they're millionaires. They're not billionaires. So they got to do a lot to get, you know, their ducks in a row to buy the Mets. I think there's also into the fray and spends a lot of money to buy the team as well. So I think there is a good chance the team gets sold. I'm just not so sure it's exactly going to be the new owners that come in. All right. So uh, shifting topics here, because I've got you here. We got, we got to talk about some of the news that's coming out. Um, it looks like, man, the players might end up getting that prorated salary. The only problem is um, the length of the season. I mean, we've got Jeff Passan saying the Major League uh, Major League Baseball is going to come out with a proposal for around 50 games, while the players were asking for around 110. Now, I mean, once you agree to pay the prorated salary, um, you know, that's great and all, but if you're shortening the games by half of what the players want, um the argument's still about money, right? I mean, it's not its not like we're arguing about the number of games. That's not what we're arguing about. We're still arguing about money, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the players wanted, maybe they were going to come back on their prorated salary a little bit to get 114 games and then they get more money. Now I guess the owners are kicking around that proposal. I mean, I just look at a 50-game baseball season and, I mean, that's that's like two months, not even two full months. If you're like the Marlins, you think maybe we have, we go for – a couple winning streaks and we got a chance at the playoffs. So I don't even know if you have a 50 game season with expanded playoffs, how can you, at the end of it all, if you won the world series, how is there not an asterisk attached to, you know, that was the, that was the COVID season where we only played 50 games. I don't know. It doesn't feel like an actual baseball season, but I think at this point I'd still take it. I mean, I'd still want to watch some baseball, but I definitely would like the original proposal of closer to a hundred games to get a more representative sample. This thing just continues to get uglier by the day. And, and I mean, I'm not sure how much of a baseball or a basketball and hockey fan you are, but um, you know, Gary Bettman takes a lot of, a lot of flack, but the job that he and Adam Silver have done in procuring the image of their sport and also getting them back towards a conclusion on the field and, uh, or excuse me, on the court and on the ice has been much better than the um, the Major League Baseball. Is there anything you think baseball can do to kind of salvage the image? Um, realistically, obviously getting back to play is, is what they can do. But, I mean, it doesn't feel like there's much that – they're not close to being in a spot where everybody's going to get up long, kumbaya, and everybody looks good. Well, you got probably, what, now three or four months of just Rob Manford getting dragged through the coals through the media and everyone else. I mean – no one likes what he's doing as a commissioner. He's been put in some really bad situations. You mentioned the NHL, and I mean, I think they had a little bit of an easier situation because they can 
just go right. straight to the playoffs. That cuts your your you know your league in half, and you don't have to try to squeeze in a hundred game schedule. But at the same time, I think they do a better job of keeping some of their talks behind closed doors, and so these leagues don't come out. And I mean, you know, at one point we're playing the baseball season in Arizona, then it's Arizona and Florida. Now it's you know it just keeps changing. I think that hasn't helped this narrative. And now you got the the same normal squabble you have with baseball where it comes to the money. And I just don't know how, you know, which side is eventually going to cave in on this. I think you make a good point because it seems like baseball has had the longest and most winding road because, like you said, we had the discussions about Florida, Arizona, Texas. Then we got the pods, people playing, um, you know, in, in certain cities. Then we got the money conversation. Now we're having the season length conversation. And out of all the sports, in my opinion, it's take, it's, it hasn't been the most fun. Like, I think a lot of the conversations around what the NBA could be doing to finish their season out have been fun. The baseball ones, I'm not sure how you felt on your podcast, but, like, I, don't, I have not been enjoying the conversations I've been having about how we're going to get a baseball season in and finished and done. I've enjoyed the conversations like, what could basketball do? And it's fun, and it's like, you know, it feels positive. I don't feel the same way about baseball. 100%. I mean, basketball is going to Disney World. I mean, right. they got it all cooked <laughs> in. The, the NHL has a play-in tournament that sounds exciting. And then the NFL maybe had the best situation of all where they their season wrapped up, and they get to do a draft virtually, and they get to have their off-season normally, and still get a lot of buzz and they have all this time to plan. So baseball is really the one that has struggled with this the most. And I don't see a resolution coming soon, but I agree. I'm not having a ton of fun when I do have to talk about this, you know, these certain MLB news items that we get. All right. Uh, a scale of one to 10, how confident are you? We get baseball in the month of July. Month of July. That's tough. If you asked me a week ago, I think I probably would have said seven or eight. It seemed like it was tracking in a better direction. And now as both sides are throwing more proposals out, I would say it's a coin flip. I'd say it's, it's 50-50 at this point. All right. And then uh, when do you think we do get baseball, if we do get it at all? I'm getting concerned that we're not going to get it. But I would say, if anything, I could see – you know, if these negotiations really get pushed because every week that they don't have a deal done, that's another week and guys aren't getting ready. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw maybe August and September if they're going to do the 50-game mm -hmm. season. And then you do your normal October and then you, you just call it. But it's, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, Ryan, where can people find you on the social media? You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can find Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect, buddy. Appreciate your time tonight. Yeah, nice for having me on.